Welcome to the Short Corner Podcast. What, what the, the is going on, everybody? Come down to Shaq's world. Come shoot some hoops or read a book. Something to do each way you look. You'll learn a thing, probably two, as long as you come down to Shaq's world. Alrighty, welcome back to the Short Corner Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about how COVID has affected all of us and Shaq's world. Uh, I wanted to start it off by saying a little thing about COVID with Shaq's world, especially because I came into Shaq's world in January multiple months into COVID and like I still experienced it you know we're not allowed to have kids inside yet that's changing on July 21st um we barely got hours because like there's nothing to do for us when we're here like for all instructors like how are you coming in and instructing when there's nobody here uh our hours changed we were 9 a.m to 9 p.m now it was very up in the air it's really like whenever we're there so whenever shack's here and tells us to come in that's when we came in now it's like okay we're getting back to set hours in two weeks and we're going to be 9 a.m to 9 p.m and everybody knows that so not only can we open up our classes again and we can start doing the things that we've wanted to do for so long but we haven't been able to because of covid we're actually getting those set hours where like if you come to shack's world just to chill you need a community center. You just want to play foosball, air hockey, pool, something like that. You can come in now. We're open for 12 hours a day, and you can come and just chill. You can come and just read, play board games, whatever it is. So we have been affected because we've been waiting on the edge of our seats for so long at Shaq's World just to get the kids here, just to get the youth here so we can start inspiring them because nobody, as much as we all have to be inside right now, it's different when you can be inside at a different environment. So like Shaq's World is a different environment for everybody. So even though you're going to go back inside, you're in a place where you don't feel isolated. You're around eight mentors in a day. You're around 12 different kids that you make friends with. You're around Shaq. You're being inspired by all these people. And I just wanted to ask all of you guys what COVID did for you, how it affected you. And the first one I wanted to talk about was actually physical fitness and health. So, Alberto, I wanted to ask you, because I know that you went through a big transformation in your fitness, in your physical body. I wanted to ask you, when COVID started, what was your mentality? What was your goal? What was your thought plan? And I just wanted to, you to expand on that for us. Yeah, no, for sure, Brock. Um, as you said, I, I definitely had a different mentality going into COVID because at the beginning of it, I kind of saw the vision, right? Like, I saw it through. I'm like, okay, I know that a lot of people will use... There's an excuse, okay, everything's closed, I don't have to do anything, right? But for me, it was different because coming out of the mental stage I was in, coming out, um, out of college and stuff like that, and then just being in such a low mental space just really allowed me to, right before COVID hit, just think about it. And like, okay, what do I want to do? And then as COVID started, my mindset was I want to get ahead because I know a lot of people are going to sleep. They're not going to do what they're supposed to be doing, right? Which is grinding and focusing on yourself. They're just going to join everybody else complaining about what's going on, right? So I did the complete opposite of that. And honestly, I started at the beginning of COVID, I was 325 pounds. And then by the end of it, I came, I was 229 on my best, 229, 228, somewhere around that. But I lost all that literally every day without taking a day off it was just complete straight grind like 
no days off. And it's all because I saw the vision, you know what I mean? And now that COVID is over, you know, no disrespect to nobody, because at the end of the day, we all, we're all affected differently, mentally, physically, whatever it is, right? But when we came out of it, in my sport, which is basketball, I knew a lot of basketball players weren't going to be practicing as much as I was, right? So I came with that. One, it gave me a lot of confidence, and two, it got my, my physical right. So when I came out of it, we were allowed to play five and five, four and four, whatever was outside. I was in such great shape compared to everyone else because of what I did throughout COVID that it was like nobody could keep up with me. You know what I mean? And that just gave me even more confidence to keep doing what I was doing. You know what I mean? So that's the way that I took advantage of COVID. You know what I mean? I know Jamie had mentioned that he took advantage of it in a different way. He had to be affected differently for him to realize it. I'll let him expand on that a little bit more. Yeah, I just wanted to like clarify, Jamie, you said that you kind of went through a loss of motivation at the start until you hit like a, a specific point where you were like, whoa, like I've been lacking a little bit. So I just wanted you to expand on like, what was that loss of motivation? What set you off on the right track? All right. Well, thank you, Brock. Um, I think for me, what had really happened was I was in high school from grade nine to grade 12 and then went straight from high school to university. So like my my years weren't split up or anything. And it was a straight hustle, straight grind throughout high school. I went to summer school. So I made sure to really like like hustle throughout what felt like high, like high school and everything. I, I hustled through that. And then through university, I was hustling through that too because I'm a dance major. So there was a lot of physical work that we were doing. So my physical aspect was always taken care of because I was always spending like three to four hours dancing like every day. So it was never really a problem for me. And then when COVID hit in March of my third year, it was like, okay, so we're coming to an end in my third year. We, we're not able to actually finish the year. And now we're getting cut out of class and I'm no longer in my professional space of, of being a professional dancer and, and being able to live my truth and be who I am. When that whole thing closed down, you know, I go back home and I think to myself, well, I've been grinding for like the last seven years. Like, what's a what's a vacay one time? What's what's a what's a little little break one time? And I took a break. And at that point, I was low because at this point, it's like. I've been hustling through school and I feel nothing but deadbeat tired. And then when it comes to dance, I feel good, but I also don't feel great because I want more to do within the actual classroom and, and to be in my actual element. So it was a little bit discouraging to not be in my element physically. And then I spent a lot of time, you know, just chilling on my downtime, you know, re relaxing with my family, relaxing on my ones, seeing my friends, just kind of like, you know, doing me. But even though we were in COVID, we we're not supposed to be like out there doing and like I was I was just so hell bent in, in the wrong space, in the wrong mindset of just wanting to, you know, kind of be with everyone else and be a part of everyone else. But as we went through that, there was a lot of tough times. There was just a lot of tough times. And what I realized was that I had to get out of my space. And I put on weight. I was like, wow, I can't hold a handstand anymore. I'm like, this is ridiculous for me. So I went back into my driveway and started like holding handstands against my garage for like 10 minutes if I could. So I would aim for 10 minutes out of that day, hold them for like a minute and 30, maybe two minutes each time, and then get to my 10 minutes and go for a run. Go for my run, come back, try and do some flips, get all that in, work my fast twitch muscles and, and, and get back to it. But there was a massive time where just COVID made me feel like I couldn't turn anyone or nor could I really go anywhere. 
So everything kind of really felt like it was on me. And even though there was really kind of no pressure to do anything, it's not like there was pressure to really go to work or pressure to go to my dance class or anything like that. There was still pressure on the fact that I felt like I was declining. So that pressure was like, you know, like telling me like, oh, yo, you kind of slip in a little bit. You kind of slip in a little bit. You kind of slip in a little bit until the point where it smacked me on my head. And I'm like, yo, slipping a little bit. I got to I got to work on this right now. So that was that was like my whole journey throughout COVID for sure. Yeah. And honestly, like, I don't think a, a lot of people can respect that before COVID. Like, just respect that. Like, wow, like I see a friend and I can tell he's down, but I don't know how to help him. Well, when COVID happened, it was like, I cannot physically and go, go and help him. I cannot be there and actually be like, listen, Jamie, I can see you're slipping. That's slipping, slipping. If I can see what's going on and you're not realizing it, like you need me there to, to coach you, but you can't be there to coach at that point in COVID. And like, Spencer is my brother and we were in the same house the whole time and I, I know what he went through and I just wanted to ask him, Spence, like when COVID first started, what did we do together that was kind of very counterproductive and then once you got out of that, how were you so motivated? Like how did you have that that switch of, oh, I went down after this started and now I need to adapt and do more? I was working at Starbucks at the time, and Starbucks was really generous with everyone. Like, they paid us our full paycheck that was the two weeks leading into when COVID started. And they said, you you get leave for, I think it was six weeks when it started, and it kept getting extended. And so it was just complete freedom. Um, To give you some context, I graduated from Seneca in 2019, in the spring of 2019. So when COVID hit, I'd almost been out of school for a year at that point and I'd just been working crazy like crazy amount of hours like 60 to 65 hours a week Jeez. on six days um, I'd be working 10 11 hour shifts I was working at Tim Hortons and it's hard work and I wasn't getting a lot done uh, musically because I had no time and I certainly did not have energy for it I mean I still came home and practiced I know that I know that was the majority of my time still was just sitting and playing but like I couldn't find the creative space within myself to to write songs um, it was the first time in a couple of years that I wasn't involved in a project that was bigger than just me so I didn't have a band to be like you know, you still got to make it for Friday rehearsals and stuff. It was just completely on me. And so when COVID hit, I felt a bit of a a relief because I had seen all these people I went to school with. We all studied music production. We basically got taught how to be an indie artist. And a lot of them were succeeding, getting 50,000, 100,000 streams on songs booking tours, you know, some of them were going throughout Ontario, some of them throughout Canada. Um, And I was going and seeing them when they'd be playing at a local venue Mm -hmm. and thinking, oh, I could could help. I could play bass for them. I could help. Thinking, ah, if I had enough songs ready, I I could be as good as this, maybe better if I was playing live. But I hadn't been. And so when it hit and it was like, now even the people that have been working really, really hard to to get gigs, to schedule things... That's all for nothing. They, they've lost tours here. Me, I didn't lose anything. I gained an opportunity. And so for probably three and a half weeks, we were 
extremely unproductive. Um, it was awesome getting paid as if I was working and not being expected to do anything. Spencer and I played video games for a whole month. Yeah, and it was like being kids again. No lying. And, and, like, know, playing on wake up in the morning with black coffee and he, we just look at each other like, you want to go play video games? <laughs> like, it was jokes, and it, and it just went on for a couple weeks, and then at some point I was just like, I'm not even practicing, and I remember distinctly one day I purchased uh, a yearly membership to this bass playing uh, online portal. It's called Scott's Bass Lessons. I found him through YouTube. He wears gloves when he plays, which is like a lot of people are like, yo, why do you wear gloves? So they'll comment, right? And then they start seeing his stuff, stuff more. And he has all these like really good bassists on board, part of the company, and they just do little lessons. They're all like, oh, if you want to sound like the Motown bass player. So like if you think about like the song My Girl, <clears throat> right? That song, that uh, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, mm-hmm. um, there's a bunch of songs, Anything Stevie Wonder. It's pretty much all the same players on all those Very records. Yeah. And so this this one guy that played on all these records, he played bass, his name's James Jamerson. Right. And uh, he's like a legend. You listen to his isolated bass tracks, and it's like, this guy's crazy. Mm-hmm. He does stuff that isn't humanly possible. So innovative with the way he played and it really sculpted the way people play bass. And so I was just picking up the bass. I was telling myself I'm going to learn all these new skills. Um, And I was like, I want to sound like him. So I bought that membership and I started watching the videos they had on him. This is how to sound like him. I went and bought a better bass. I, I started modding it out to be like his so that I could sound like him. And then the other thing I did is I purchased this big um, library of vocal lessons. I'd never taken vocal lessons. I'd never studied music theory. And I was always that dude that I was like, ah, theory ruins it. And like, (laughs) knowing what you're doing takes out the authenticity, which is stupid. It's stupid to think that, but a lot of people do. In the beginning, for sure. Right. Once you get over that, you can look back and be like, ah, that was kind of dumb of me. (laughs) Not to discount, like... If you don't want to learn theory, I'm not saying you can't be good, but it's, it's a, a faster harder. path <laughs> to just know what you're doing. It's like, you know, it's like fundamental drills for basketball. Like yeah. you don't have to be instructed on how to dribble, but yeah. you should if you want to be really good and at playing. And then it gives you an advantage if you know the fundamentals. Absolutely. So then I started developing my fundamentals with singing and like the exercises I was doing, everybody that was living in our house, all our family was like, oh my God, it's singing, it's singing time again. Because it'd be like 9.01 in the morning and I'm like, oh, And this just went on for like six hours a day. Like it was crazy. And one of the things I did is I recorded all of my sessions. So now I have like hundreds of hours of audio. And it takes me from a point where I didn't really sound good. I didn't think I was very distinct in how I sang. I had a nasally tone. I'd never really been that diehard with practicing singing. I'd been diehard practicing instruments, and so now I applied what I had learned from that to, okay, how am I going to be the best singer? And I started singing along to albums, and now I have this huge amount of you know, files on my computer that shows my progression from an amateur singer to an emerging artist that obviously has put in some work for it. And so when I finished that three-week period of not being very productive, I was so dedicated. And I'm talking like five, six hours a day for 200 days straight. Mm. It basically turned out to be April 2020 to April 2021, where there's not a single day 
that I didn't spend time recording just vocals and practicing, warming up properly, writing songs. In that time, I wrote about 100 songs. In that time, I went from like, I'm not really that good drumming to like, yeah, I could play. I can record on a track if I need to. I, I like, I get it. I could, if somebody needed to hire me as their last resort drummer, I could go play a gig and be convincing enough. I went from just really picking up a bass to like, whoa, that's his main instrument. Now when I play for people, um, I play for Megan Ann, who's a local Barry artist. I just play bass for her. I listen to the records and I figure out what the parts are and I add my own little stuff. And like, that's my distinct instrument. When COVID started, I wouldn't even have called myself a bassist. I learned all this music theory. I transformed how I can play piano. That's the one instrument where I'm like completely self-taught. I just... I just one day was like, I'm sick of not knowing how to do this properly. And I started learning how to play in every key and then learning how to switch keys and stuff. And now piano is probably my main instrument because it's just a bit more enjoyable uh, for me to sit down and play piano than it is to play guitar. Because I've I've already put my 10,000 in, my 10,000 hours in to playing guitar. And so COVID for me, you know, to sum it all up was just, it was a slow start. I didn't take advantage of advantage of it right away but when I did I really made up for it and now coming out of COVID I feel as confident as any artist that I know that I'm like okay my songs are really good my recordings are really good Um, I'm just kind of upping my game on how to market and how to find people but in a month or two I'm gonna feel I'm really good at that too and so when venues are finally open I'm really looking to book like a lot of live shows and I'm willing to lose money to hire like really good professional musicians to play for me because I can film that. I can make live content out of that. I can release a live version of a song that came out a couple months ago to extend that longevity of it. Um, I'm waiting to hear back on a lot of grants that if I get them, I mean, it's just going to transform how I can run my business, how I can fund. Like I'm going to be able to say, we have $15,000 to record this album and the songs are ready. Let's get the absolute best of everything and do it. Yeah, and uh, it's great to hear how you adapted throughout COVID, and you brought up the song Ain't No Mountain High Enough, and that's really where I connect to this. Um, Right before COVID started, I was probably at the highest mountain of my life, right at that peak of that mountain. I absolutely killed school in grade 12, got great grades, didn't have to work because I had money saved up, and I I said to my parents, like, listen... I'm going to take a year off after university. This is like halfway through grade 12. I was like, I'm not applying. I'm taking that year off because I need, I'm going to need to make more money, but I needed this year to not work. And I said, I'm taking the, the year off. And multiple things could have gone wrong, but my parents were like, okay, take a year off. Like we had grade 13 mandatory. Like we were older than kids are now going to university. I was like, wow, that's great. I can take a year off. I'm going to enjoy school. Killed school in grade 12 paid for my own trip to Jamaica with my two best friends from high school, Marlon and Mackay. Great experience. Right before COVID started, I started dating my girlfriend. Awesome experience. The first time I ever had a girlfriend, first time I ever like allowed myself to, to share my life with people that weren't my family. And that's really hard for me because I grew up and we moved a lot. So like opening yourself up is hard when you're like, ah... What if I leave in two years? You know, like what it's if I It's easier to be again? a homebody than to try yeah. and be out there. And I was, I'm, I'm still to this day a huge 
what you would call homebody. Like, I love being at home because I've always only had my family. And they always made a great home for me. And that was something that I, I just, I crave now. I, it's not just a home anymore. Like, for me, Shaq's World is a home. It's a safe space, but also a place where I can prosper and have all these opportunities. But two months into COVID, first two months, I was like, wow, this is awesome. I love reading. And I was like, wow, I get to read every morning, every night. Um, even though I can't see my girlfriend right now, like we're still so much in love that like I don't care that we're taking three months to not see each other when it's mandatory. Yeah, yeah. And I was reading so many books. I read a 1,450-page book and enjoyed every single page. I don't know how you could do that. It was amazing. Like, every single night I'm like, oh, sorry. Sorry, Lila. I'm I'm going to read my book for two hours. I'm, like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in legit. Read. I'm, like, in I'm putting my phone away to read. I'm in like, mid-read. Read. Get there's yourself a man. There's this book called 24-6, which is all about this family that turns off their phones or all devices for an entire day. I was like, wow, I'm going to try that too. Did that for like two months. And every, on all those days, I would read all day long. My favorite book, The Alchemist, everybody should read that book, has amazing life lessons and only about 120 pages. Every single time I read that, I read it in one day because it's so inspiring. Like I just start reading it, I'm like, I'm not doing anything else today. So I was reading so much and I was feeling so good. And then in about May, I started coming down off of that peak. And I know a lot of people have been affected mental health wise because of COVID. Like you're isolated, you might've lost your job. As Spencer said, he got paid to stay home from his work, but not everybody works at a company like Starbucks that offers that. You could have lost your job completely. If you don't work in quick service, you don't have a job right now. You're just home and you're taking government money because you can't make money right now. Nobody's hiring, nobody has space for that. And I started going down and this, I was at the highest point in my life. So looking back on it now, I should have expect, expected like, whoa, maybe I'm headed to my lowest. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't know how to feel low and accept it. That's the hardest part, I think, when you start feeling sad or low or something. You don't know how to accept it, and you try and fight it. And I fought it for so long. And then, like, I was at my lowest, and, like, Spencer and my mom could attest to this. Like, I used to read every morning. I I would open my book in the morning. I couldn't get past, like, a single paragraph. I'd be in my head the whole time, and I didn't know how to get out of my head. I had never really opened up, not even to my girlfriend yet, about, like, some of the stuff that I just, like, never understood. And I started going to therapy, and it was amazing. I, I think I went to like 10 sessions or something, 10 weeks or something. And at the start of it, I was at the lowest valley. Ain't no valley low enough. I was at the lowest val- valley of my life. And it was, it was scary because I was like, I have no idea how to be at the bottom and then start ascending up to the top because I just didn't know how. And I, I was still kind of sorting through university programs. Like I wasn't sure what I really wanted to do. I knew I wanted to go into media. I didn't know what part of media, so I was just going to be a general media person and then find my way in university. And I think it was my second last therapy session. At the end of it, I was, you know, excited about where I was going to go. I was going to go to Carleton for general media production and design and then find my way from there. And I said just one sentence and it changed my life. I said to my therapist, I was like, and maybe one day after university, I'm going to go into film. Maybe I'll be a cinematographer. And I went in the car, and my mom said, how did it go? I was like, oh, it was great. Uh, I appreciate you so much for driving me to all of these. I said something that I want to swim upstream on. And right there in the car, I looked up film programs in Canada. And I found so many, and I started looking at them and looking at them. And instantly, I was like, whoa, 
maybe this is what I want to do. I always loved movies growing up. I've always been an on-camera guy in high school. Most of my classes in grade 12, I made videos for all my projects. But I wasn't behind the camera. I was in front of it because I didn't understand any of it. And then I was like, wow, maybe I, maybe I could be somebody behind the camera. Mm. All throughout sports growing up, I was a leader. And that's really what a director is. And when I started looking at these film production programs, I was inspired. And I kept looking, I kept looking, I kept looking. And then I found York. And I was so inspired. But for me to get there, to get back to what I would call right now another mountain, not as high as the one I came down from, but to get to another place of like happy mental state, I had to be at my lowest. And I didn't get out of my lowest state until I accepted you're allowed to feel low. You're allowed to be mentally drained and have such a bad mental health place in your heart where you don't even want to, you don't want to get up. You don't want to do the things that make you happy because they're not making you happy at that moment. And when I started looking at programs in film, that's when I started slowly ascending through that low place in my life. And it really didn't start like taking off in Ascension until I came to Shaq's World. Mm-hmm. My friend Marlon, where I, w- I went to Jamaica with him, he was like, yo, I'm at Shaq's World. Like, you should come. Like, you should talk to Shaq and see if you can be a volunteer. That's what I'm doing right now. But, like, I hope to get a job soon. And I came here, and the first day we, uh, like, power washed the floor, the art room floor. And I was like, wow, this is kind of crazy for, like, free work. Like, I was, like, a volunteer, and I did all this work. But I was like, it's going to go somewhere. I came here and instantly I was like, I feel really good about this place. Like, I don't know what it is yet. I've never even been here for a week yet. And I, I can feel something here where I'm like, There's gonna, this is going to lead to a lot of things. And I think it was like my second or third week, uh, Shaq was trying to create a, a video called the Create a Bucket Challenge. Like you create your basketball hoop. The most creative thing you can do, she shot a paper ball into, a, into the basketball wastebasket basket that we have and they showed me this video and I was like it looks really dull and I said this like I was like oh did I just say that to somebody that's allowing me to be a volunteer did I just tell them their video's not good I've never done a video before and I'm telling them it looks dull and the next thing I know I was like you know what let's get two more phones three different angles and let's make this video and we made it and we all had a lot of fun and then Shaq said oh I can edit it and I asked her you know what is it okay if I take it a swing at this if I try and edit and I edited the video it's the first video I ever made and it was to me it was such a great feeling because I never I never thought while I was doing it I just enjoyed doing it I went home and edited it right away it was so much fun for me and that's when I was like wow film is what I'm doing film is my passion and I'm gonna get to a point in my life where that's my career yeah. nothing else I have to do and I have to work a part-time job to fund myself and after that moment, I was like, wow, like I'm in a different place mentally. Like yeah. I've actually like noticed, wow, I was so low. Wow, I was so low. Now I'm getting, I was getting to the point where I was so low and then I came to Shaq's world and I started getting higher. And uh, after that, I really put all of my effort into getting a job at Shaq's world because I was like, wow, this place, Shaq thinks I'm a media guy and I've never gone to school for it yet but you cannot stop me from trying and she's never been like oh is that okay Mm. uh uh i don't know if that video is good enough and when she would she she, she never questioned she'll never second guess your work but she'll add constructive criticism whether if she likes it or not she'll tell you straight up she offered advice and that's how i started adapting i was like wow like i've never done film but 
there's somebody out there that's giving me opportunities to make videos that thinks I know what I'm doing. And from that point on, like I really got to that better place mentally, got to that mountain again. And right now I'm at, I'm at that mountain and it feels great. And it would not have happened had I not been able to come into Shaq's world. Even though there was no kids, I was still able to work and get a job here and start growing my filmmaking before I even went to school for it. And that's really how COVID affected me. Even though Shaxhold was affected, no kids or anything like that, it still allowed me, Jamie, Alberto, even Spencer now too, to start growing themselves in a different area. Mm-hmm. I want to be a filmmaker, and I started being a filmmaker when I came to Shaq's World. Jamie's a dance instructor. Spencer's editing podcasts now. Spencer's going to be a music instructor. Alberto's a basketball trainer. All these things that were able to come from Shaq's World, even though COVID affected it so much. And also, like I think just to add to a point of mental state, it's like I noticed that you said like you were at the highest point of the mountain and, like, it's funny because if you were at the highest point of the mountain, right, if you were at the highest point of the mountain, you would be able to see what's coming next. Like, you can look down and you can see what's coming next. But the craziest part about looking down, right, is that it's unknown. It's like you look down, you don't know what's down there, and you don't know how far in the rabbit hole you might land. Yeah. So, like, you got to just kind of, like, watch yourself as you fall. And, like, it's even more interesting to hear you say, like, you didn't even know how to accept being upset in a moment where you had like almost kind of no idea what was going on to a point where you're like, Hey, I need to talk to someone. Completely no like, idea. Not almost like completely unknown territory. For like me. you were in muddy waters, bro. Like you were just wondering like, like, what is this? I what was scared. This? I was right. like, but the thing is in those moments, you really have to, yes, it might be hard to accept it, but you have to accept it. You have to take that time to look at yourself and really reflect. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, everything is a learning experience. So you being down and low is a learning experience for you. So take advantage of that and take that in a positive way. Opposed to taking it negatively and getting even lower on yourself, take it up on yourself to then do something about it. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I'm feeling low, but what can I do about it? You know what I mean? Even throughout COVID, even if you couldn't go physically to somewhere to do something about it, find ways to adapt, find ways to adjust, ways to do something about it you know mm-hmm. what i mean there's always there's always there's always a solution and we might never have the answer to our problems or questions or we might not have our solutions right away because it's like there's a couple quotes about patience where it's like you know you're waiting for something long enough it'll show up on your doorstep like those kind of things is very serious it's like you feeling you feeling like you don't have enough right now you feel like there's a lot of garbage going on in your life you feel like everything is just on you and and you're not making the headway that you wanted to you're not driving the car or the 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 boat the way that you needed to get to and get to the destination you wanted to get to when you start feeling these ways it's like that acceptance right that moment of like you know what this right now is not working out. That moment is a very humiliating moment and it's humiliating to yourself, but only you because no one really knows the struggles that you go through. You could go and talk to your brother Spencer all day. Brock could go and talk to Spencer all day and be like, yo, listen, this is what I'm going through and I'm really upset, right? Mm -hmm. And Spencer could be there like hearing you and listening to you and, and even watching you and seeing you what you go through, yes. but he will never be able to, to fully feel understand. and understand what it is to be you and be in your predicament. So for you to be like, I know I'm here, and I'm just like, 
ah, uh, and I have to accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that is like the best feeling of biting your tongue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, it hurts. Yeah, because it really takes you looking in the mirror and really talking to yourself because at the end of the day no one sees what you see you know what i mean no one no one thinks of things the way you think about them everybody is unique everybody as somebody said one time every world every head is a different world because we all see things differently we all think about things differently right so in that moment when you're feeling down you need that alone time because you need to reflect on yourself you need to talk to yourself because again as i said earlier no one sees what you see so no one sees your future no one sees why you're headed what you want to do you know what i mean it's all just general people just throw something at you like oh i can see you being this but what if you don't like that you know what i mean so it's like you really have to talk to yourself and figure out what you want to do because no one sees what you see that's another yeah that's another thing too you know being being seen at your low point or being seen even at a high point you'll notice that there's two things that like Lil Wayne has said this the best throughout the time that I've been alive this is one of my favorite quotes it's love me or hate me I promise you it won't make or break me in that sense it's like whether you're at your highest point or your lowest point people are complimenting you or telling you that you look like garbage yeah right Either way, there's going to be both sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. If you're doing absolutely well, of course you're going to get compliments. Of course someone's going to look at your nice car. Of course someone's going to say nice fit yeah. when you're wearing something mad expensive. Like If you're doing well for yourself, great job. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like you're in a rut and it's visible that you're in a rut and it's visible that you're not feeling great and someone comes up to you and you're just like, you know, they're like, yo, man, you should probably get a new shirt or yo, man, your kicks are looking a little rough. Like, those things when, when, when you're already down and in the gutter and getting kicked on the stomach, you know what I'm saying? It's like, those things, like, even in that moment, you have to accept it. Yeah, and there's, uh, it's That's very amazing. powerful when you're around people that when they see you at your lowest, they're not the negative ones, they're yeah. the positive yeah. ones. You know what? You're still here, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might feel terrible, but you're still on this earth. Mm-hmm. You're still fighting every day. And somebody just said something about a solution. And that brought math to my mind. Two negatives make a positive. Yeah. So when I think back at this, COVID, huge negative. Mm-hmm. Mental health for me was a negative. Mm-hmm. But when they were combined together, it created a positive yeah. mindset for myself. I was like, wow, I've been at my lowest. I guess there's nowhere less to be. There's no more low for me to go. And that's no when I started going up. I think, Brock, also something that's very interesting about acceptance in either a low spot or a high spot means self-forgiveness. Because in those moments, whether you've done really well or you've done really bad, at some point, you're going to have to forgive yourself for something that you did. Because you did something, like, if you're winning, you slighted somebody on the way to the win, right? There There was two people fighting for first place. Somebody lost. Somebody lost. Yeah. At some point in time, you have to have the humble humility to be like, Yo, I know I'm good right now, but I'm not great. And I just need to keep working to get better. And that's where the motto of Shaq's world comes in. Stay humble and kind. Mm-hmm. And that's really through everything. Mm-hmm. I, I just beat you for the championship, whatever. I still need to be humble and kind about it. And that's why like a lot of people might look back on COVID negatively. It, it took people out of here. Mm-hmm. Took campers and kids out of here. Took kids out of school systems. All school that systems, stuff. all of that stuff. But it still is a positive. It led to us being here. It led to us thinking about this and talking about it and being in a better space mentally. Mentally, for sure. I also let Taz just 
re, you know, rebuilding and kind of getting prepared and ready for yeah. when kids are able to come. Exactly. Back. Revamping and just ramping up that, that energy and that excitement to get back to it, get back to life. And that's what we're going to talk about in our next episode, opening up again and what we're going to do and what we plan to do. And we'll all be right here at Shaq's World on our hustle and grind while we stay humble and kind. Cheers!